This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass, the first show for 2018. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Leandi Stretter, a business coach and guide from Raiscorp. Thank you, Richard. In this first half hour, our business skills conversation is brought to you in association with USB Ed. Today, we're back on the ethics show, and we're going to be talking about the theme ethics activists and the need for these people in our lives. Please remember our uh, hashtag keep ethics alive, our hashtag keep ethics alive, all one word. Joining us in studio as always on the ethics show is our guest, Cynthia Skuman of the Ethics Monitor. Cynthia, welcome. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. I know that uh, this is a huge investment in time for you. You've been with us for the last six months talking about ethics on a monthly basis. But if I look back at where we've come from in terms of the last six months of last year and just the issues that we faced and the challenges that we had as a country, um, as we've always said, you know, the the Gupta leaks, the gift that keeps on giving with all of the stuff coming out every few weeks, it definitely gave us enough stuff to think about and talk about. Indeed. But I think, you know, we're now at the, at the point, um, and it leads quite well to, to today's um, uh, theme about ethics activism. What is it and why is it needed? Um, I saw uh, at the beginning of uh, end of November, beginning of December, an, an announcement was made by Larry Dipanar um, as he stepped down from first round as chairman. Yes, uh, he retires uh, as an official member, I think, of the board at seventy, which is it's this year is his birthday, and uh, he he in his stepping down was quite. Outspoken for a business person. It was one of the first times that, or not the first time, but one of the times where I saw a very strong uh, commentary that first Rand would be stepping away from doing business with people and with companies that were implicated in these various, um, you know, issues that we've had in the country in terms of state capture and the likes. And I read into that, you know, so. They definitely will not be doing business with people like SAP, McKinsey's. Um, I don't know where multi-choice featured on that, on that one. So whether you're yes. going to be seeing, uh, multi, multi-choice, uh, feeds into first rand and FNB branches, probably not. Yes. Uh, you definitely won't be seeing ANN7 on any screens in the first rand stable. Um, and, and, and Larry was quite in having hailed from that environment. I know, no Larry as a person. And, and I saw the, read the article and I thought to myself, you know what? He has a business leader who lives his values and his values as a person. And in my mind, I'm going, he has an ethical 
called by a business yes. leader and he's putting it out there and saying, this is where we're at. We're done with this and we're not going to participate and um, enhance the capabilities of these entities. And he's taking a very public stand uh, yes. on that. And yeah, I think I must say I openly and publicly maybe uh, should commend Blarry for that because I think that's a – and I wish more business owners would do would do exactly that. So, I mean, when we get to this question of ethics activists, yes. I mean, that's not an ethics activist. That's just taking a moral stand and an yes. ethical stand as a business person. Um, I guess you could say he is almost being a bit of an activist because yes. many business people are not taking a stand. Um, what is an ethics activist? Tell us who these people are. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you how I got to coining the concept. Um, we, of course, all recognize that being a good ethical role model is important. And I think the example you use of the first Rand group and, and Lur in particular uh, represents being a great role model. And really, given what has happened in our country now over more than a year, but, you know, let's not go backwards, um, I really looked at it and said being an ethical role model is, of course, necessary. But the classic one-liner, I don't think it's sufficient given the context. And so the term ethics activist really comes from a great recognition of the truly awesome social activists we've had in this country who, who literally fought, as I always say, day after week, after month, after year, after decade, who continued to stand up and speak up for what was right. And, you know, it's thanks to that that, that we have the democracy we have. Not a perfect one, I grant you, but, but nonetheless. Uh, but, but going back to those social activists, they, they were, visibly, visually outspoken on every single occasion. Hmm. And and looking at unfortunately the the huge dramas and scandals that we've had playing out last year and and, and even prior to that I think that being a good role model is not enough. I think we have to move into that space of what I'd call an ethics activist who literally stands up every time all the time, I would often add, irrespective of the potential negatives, of standing up and speaking up for what's right. And I, I personally think we have a huge need of that. Hmm. Now, I mean, for me, you know, taking an, an ethics position as an individual is often easy. But, but taking an ethical position, <clears throat> let me call it as an organization, I think is also quite a – Let's, let's call it, it's a change of gear because now everybody in the organization is, is part of that, that position. Um, if I look at, let's go back to the Lowry example, um, that clearly positions first Rand in terms of, you know, the expectation. Um, and I, I, I looked at that and I, I'm sorry to say, but I had to contrast that with, for example, where KPMG is right now. Yes. Okay. The promised investigation that still hasn't happened, mm. um, things that haven't kind of hit hit the ground, mm. and I and I kind of go, hmm, you know that 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 worries me a little, um, you know, and I go, if you're going to, and and the CEO of KPMG publicly stated we're going to have these inquisitions and reviews yes. and all the rest, and we're going to see where this goes, and um, yeah, it's been quite silent after that, and I you know I kind of go, well, one. You know, important thing to manage when you create the expectation and the perspective that you are going to do something about what has been absolutely categorized as a failure in your in your corporation. 
don't then back off and leave a vacuum because exactly. th- that vacuum is destroying of KPMG. And I anticipate that there will be many, many more requests for them to step away from organizations purely on the back of, well, I haven't heard anything. Well, well, you see, that's the catch. When the minute we offer that we're going to do something, and then we even put a time frame to it, mm, because they did, do, they did put they a did, time frame. They did. Um, then we've created expectations, whether we intended to or not. Mm. When, on top of the debacle that this follows, when those expectations are not met, please let's not be surprised when it exacerbates the situation, mm. uh, which I think is is exactly the case. But I, I think your bigger point is is very relevant at an individual level. Um, perhaps that's more straightforward to be ethical. I just wish it was happening more. But at an organisational level. We really have to then look at the at the huge factor of leadership will, much as we would speak of it in the public sector, much as we'd speak of political will. Mm. In the absence of leadership will, political will, mm. um, ethics is going to remain an interesting little luxury that there'll always be a reason why we can't afford it. Mm. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I want to just raise, and, and it's something that, that arose at, in one of our other shows, we... We, and, I, and I'm bringing it up here from an ethical perspective because I actually think it, there's a crossover here because we had recently we had the data leak that yeah. happened in South Africa. Yes. And we did a show fairly recently uh, in, towards the end of last year where we spoke to – we were talking about protection of personal information and we had the CEO of Dracor Data Sciences on the on the show with us um, to talk about you know views on it and – Draco unfortunately got labeled in the whole data leak scenario as being potentially the source of the data leak, which was subsequently revealed not to be the case. Yes. But uh, what, was, what was quite scary was a whole lot of allegations were made um, by people in the press, certain people in the press. And, um, yeah, the national credit regulator swooped in, turned them, uh, literally almost shut the business down, turned off their ability to get data from, uh, TransUnion ITC, launched an investigation which took weeks and weeks, and to my knowledge, I don't think has potentially even been resolved yet, put a small business under huge strain. And then when I step back and I, I look at this and I go, hold on a second here. Let me just understand. The, and I asked the questions in the show. And by the way, I asked the journalists involved or the journalists involved for commentary on what he had stated. Te, a gentleman by the name of Tefu Mahapi from, I, I think it's uh, iAfrican is the, is the blog space that he uses. And, uh, he refused to even respond to my requests for response, you know, for yeah. for a view. And what was even more interesting was he basically blocked me on Twitter, so he clearly doesn't want to engage with me on on the facts. Um, and I kind of looked at this and I went, "Hold on a second here. The, here's this guy who's holding up the, you know, let's call it the ethics. Uh, we can call him an ethics a- activist, saying, you know, protection of personal information, and mm. it was compromised. He didn't check his facts from what i can see he 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 joined a whole lot of dots that 
that I question how he joined them because he, he got to Drake or Data Sciences when, in fact, there are, were multiple other institutions that were could potentially have uh, been, been raised as potential uh, interested or connected parties. He never went after anybody else or engaged with anybody else. What was interesting was that he didn't engage TransUnion ITC as the data provider either, and he definitely didn't engage Jigsaw Holdings, who were the true owners of the IP address where the data leak actually occurred yes and i looked at this and i went hold on here's a guy who's a blogger who carries this activist i'm you know an investigative journalist activism type of um coverage so Mm -hmm. to speak or, or naming convention but he doesn't seem too interested in getting the facts and he was the one who wrote you know is drake or data sciences responsible for the data leak when it was subsequently revealed that it wasn't Dracor and it was, in fact, Jigsaw Holdings who had left data unprotected on their servers, he didn't say a thing about Jigsaw, and he never retracted his statement. So here you've got the national credit regulator acting, closing down a business's ability to operate, a small business, and you have the activist basically ducking any sort of accountability and conversation about the choices he was making. And I like looked at this and I thought, sure. You know, I'm all for the activists getting involved, understanding and probing. But there's also a part of me that goes, there are also some fine lines in activism as yes. a, as a, as a, and I think maybe that's what I want to talk about is from an, you know, we talk about ethical or ethics activists. There's also ethical behavior around how activists in Ethical space yeah. and others conduct themselves. It, it's, a, know, it's an excellent example. You know, <laughs> so the ethics of the ethical activist. <laughs> try that one on because yes, I yes. say that quickly ten times. Um, you know, I, I, I just I, w- I was shocked that he didn't comment. Okay, for the show, it, it, it was quite telling that he wouldn't give me comment. I, I emailed him and gave him an opportunity to give me written responses, and he didn't. I emailed him a second time. I tweeted to him and said, look, we're doing, you know, the show's going live. I, I need some comment from you. And he just ignored me. The only thing he did do was block me on Twitter. So I'm going like, okay, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, that's an interesting response from somebody who's trying to take the moral high ground of activism. Mm, yeah. But, but, but for me, what it also speaks to is that the, the hugely important role of ethical behavior, whether we want to call them activists uh, in this particular example, I think when we look at the media, and I mean the media very broadly, ranging from investigative journalism through to social media, being ethical there means you don't have a part-time relationship with the truth. Mm. <laughs> you, you definitely ha- have to take this seriously. And, and unfortunately, what an instance like that does is it lends credibility to throwing out the line of uh, these media people, social media, look how irresponsible they are, when on the other hand, we can look at the fabulous work that investigative journalists did last year in, in uncovering huge uh, ethical mm. scandals, not least under, under the banner of state capture. Mm. And so there's hugely valuable work being done there. But what we need to add is that to the extent that those investigative of journalists can well be regarded as as activists, their effectiveness actually rests on being ethical 
Yeah. Um, but it risks being eroded by these rogue examples. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I think for me, you know, Tefo Mahapi, in, in, in what he, he did and how he engaged, impacted a small business. Yes. Okay. He clearly didn't take on people that could sue him mm. heavily and hit him with huge libel, uh, libel uh, uh, cases. He knows that, hey, look, what's the chances of a some relatively small business taking me on and winning in court and I'll drag this out and whatever else. The other thing that was, was quite interesting, and, and I, th- I think for me, link, it was linked to the same case, was he was actually fed information from a, a, a hacker by the name of Troy Hunt from Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, Troy claims the space of what we, what's called a white hack or white hat hacker. Yes. So not a black hack, a black Try that again. Black hat, which is, you know, for, let's call it for gain and, and mm. criminal type of purposes. A white hat hacker is somebody who works for, you know, let's call it registered institutions like Microsoft, Oracle, the likes. And they go around ch- doing penetration tests and looking for data that's left all over the show that shouldn't be. And, and really almost, once again, an activist in yes. terms of data security. What kind of got me interested when I saw all of this stuff flowing from Tefu is was, well, Troy is an expert in this field. A simple search as to who owned the IP that he was finding data at would have pointed him to Jigsaw Holdings right at the start. Okay. Why didn't he go and investigate this properly before let's call it sitting upon a particular storyline with Tefu and, and, and feeding a certain agenda. Yes. And, I, you know, I had to ask myself the question, you know, what was the agenda here? And, I mean, I publicly will say, what was the agenda from mm. Tefu Mahapi and Troy Hunt in terms of fig- fingering Drake or data sciences? Because they were, in my opinion, from what I saw when I did a quick web search, I found at least four or five other companies which had exactly the same data headers that they were asking about, that they asked Dracor about. So that wasn't exclusive. At that point, they knew, uh, Tefl would not have known that Dracor, in fact, had had a historical data services agreement with, with Jigsaw, mm. okay, which they've never denied. Um, and quite frankly, they would have known at that point that Jigsaw was, in fact, the source of the problem. You know, I don't see any engagement between Troy and Jigsaw. I don't see any engagement between Tefo and, and Jigsaw. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it went so far as Tefo saying to Drake or Data Sciences, you must take the site down. And I'm like, hold on, if you're this technology blogger and you don't know that somebody cannot take down somebody else's IP or, and site, yeah. Yeah. hello, you know, question mark here, credibility. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of looked at all of this and I thought to myself, we are so quick. And, and I guess it goes to this whole activism issue of fake news. Yes. You know, for me, honestly, it made national headlines and Draco Data Sciences got splashed all over, uh, all over um, national media. But fundamentally, that was fake news, guys. Yeah. And, and I look at this and I go, hmm, okay, so, you know, Tefal Mahapi joins the ranks of ANN7 and a few others where, you know, it's just really questionable where, where this kind of value set goes. Yeah. And I thought to myself, how does one almost draw the line as the, as the public in knowing where, and, and as a business owner, knowing, you know, where do you draw the line around activism? What, what is almost, Good activism and what is bad activism? Um, you know, 
what should your employees be doing if they want to be activists mm. in, in terms of inside your organization for good ethics? I mean, let's get on to that question. What, what should employees inside a corporate, for example, or a state enterprise or whatever it may be do when they, they need to be activists in terms of doing the right thing? What should they be doing, Cynthia? Well, well, I'd like to go back to your your previous question of what's good activism, what's bad activism, and and if one had to define it broadly, I I would say the example you've used speaks to it perfectly. Good activism is where you're seeking to benefit those around you and those who have need of empowerment and upliftment, be mm. they employees, citizens, or the and, like. And and everybody's data being leaked publicly, definitely in my book. Tick the box. So no issue with somebody taking up the cause on that one. Yeah. No, no objection but, there. But of course, bad activism is where you're using a, a hot topic, a, a topic that you know will get publicity, and you're using it for a measure of self-gain, whether that is your sort of, you know, one week of fame and, and, you know, a better Google ranking at the end of it. And, and that for me is the distinction. When as activists, we, we are working to, to improve our, our circumstance, our surroundings for others as well. Uh, then for me, that, that is a, a, a key, key distinction. The minute we're into the pursuit of personal gain, of personal recognition, I add in many cases at any cost. Let's be clear that you may be able to call it activism. But ethics is not part of what goes with that. Um, mm. And and uh, I, I wouldn't even want to call it activism because then I'm, I'm just looking at manipulation, a word mm. that comes to mind, again, strongly for that personal gain. Mm. An experience I've recently had, um, and I, w- I was just reminded of um, character, the value of character. And it's, it's interestingly, it's ethics, values. Um, character, all of these things have come up um, in business discussions, in personal discussions. Um, it's been think, something that I've also been noticing uh, in the you know sort of social media platforms, which is becoming more and more sort of um, focused on and highlighted. So at least by m- mere virtue of seeing these things on social media, it is becoming sort of it's coming to light, and we are starting to have this dialogue. But we definitely need to have a lot more dialogue, I believe. And I, I just sort of wonder. This morning, I was with a with a with a gentleman, and he said to me, you know, he ex- described an experience that he was having, and this is not not so much in line with with the media behavior that we've just seen and what's happening in the in the macro or in our economy and on a larger scale in the macro economy. But like he said to me, when has it become okay to not honor your word? And this is, <laughs> That's you know, an interesting question. Yeah, and this is so interesting. And it, it, it wasn't even in the context of a person to a person. It was very much in the view of a corporate um, and an engagement between one business and another business. And, you know, sort of we, we had a philosophical discussion around how to, to deal with this personally. Another thing somebody has, has sort of brought up for me uh, was we started talking about character. And I started connect, thinking about, you know, when is it okay not to honor your word and what are the consequences? And what actually is the capital, what is the value of having character and developing character but then standing for something? And, you know, for me when we talk about what is a good activist, it's like check your facts, have yeah. character. Well, you know. well, that yeah, in my example, that was exactly the point, check the facts in, in your examples. I, I think 
you know, you, you used the expression earlier, I'm being economic or uh, with the truth. What, yeah. what was your saying? You said yeah. people uh, struggling yeah. with the truth. Yeah, yes. And, and, you know, I think to myself, sure, you know, and that can be by omission or commission. Indeed. You know, intentionally or otherwise. If you mm. don't have the facts, it's a real struggle. And I mean, to your point of you know, how, how binding is your word? Mm. In a corporate space. I mean, I fairly frequently have kind of found myself going, I would love to be able to do business on a handshake, but nowadays you can't. Mm. Okay. There Mm. are a few, and I recently have done fairly big transactions on a handshake with somebody that I trust, I trust impeccably. Mm. But I I think to myself, those sort of things are very, very rare. Yes. You know, to be honest with you, I think that contract was concluded officially, if you consider when contracts are concluded by the meeting of the minds. Yes. When I emojied back a handshake on my, <laughs> on my WhatsApp. I like that. So we've digitized ethics. <laughs> we've digi- we've, uh, a yeah, handshake. We, an emoji handshake. An, emo- an emoji handshake is now considered the contractual uh, inception, yes. I, I like that. Yeah. But, but that talks to high, high levels of ethics between yes. My organization and my company and him and his organization and yes. company. Yes. Now, I mean, when we talk about ethical, and let's just for a moment, uh, as we, we wind up the show, talk about ethical responsibility. I mean, people go, well, I don't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't involve me. Yes, you yes, know? I don't, yes, I don't, yes. I don't want to be an activist. I don't want to be out there. And then there are people, and we're going to, in the next part of the show, we're going to be talking to Wayne Devenacher from mm-hmm. OTA. And there are people out there who've actually gone there and said, "Hey, let's do this." Um, Ota is is is, not, uh, is one of them. I mean, they've got. I mean, if I look at their projects that they've got, uh, state capture, communication, energy, government policy, transport, water, and, and, and environment. I mean, they've got a whole lot of stuff going on. Why? Because they're just going. You know, let's stand up and be counted here, and you know, we have a re- we have a responsibility to engage. Yeah. Where's the line? Who should be doing this? Who shouldn't? Whose job is it, Cynthia? Oh. Is it mine? Is it yours? Or is it the CEO's job to? It's a fabulous question. Um, let, let me answer it in two ways. Um, oh. One, let, let's start with with Ota. I think that the the very many scandals of the past, public and private sector. I mean, in in both camps. I think have given real impetus to a lot of, of NGO and NPO type organizations who really, really need to be recognized for the fabulous work they're doing. And, and whether that's OTA, whether it's Section 27, I mean, who playing an invaluable role, um, in, in the Essadamini investigations that, that happened last year. Uh, but, but there are many organizations, the Helen Sussman Foundation, um, Corruption Watch, these organizations are playing a hugely valuable role. So to speak more directly to, to your question of, okay, whose role is it? Whose job is it? What should we do? Um, one very, very clear answer. All these NGOs that, that are, are providing such a valuable sort of civil protest action role, mm-hmm. frankly, let's support them. Mm-hmm. They all are based on donor funding. Let's support them to whatever extent we can. That's one practical suggestion. Within organizations, though, I, I come back to, to our hashtag for, for this whole series of shows of Keep Ethics Alive. Within organizations, 
it's so easy to get completely overwhelmed by one scandal after mm. the next and and really not only overwhelmed demotivated and the like and so i think organizations i personally see it as a huge responsibility where they literally should be making sure that within their organizations they are doing something that is making ethics visible literally that despite all the scandals in that environment they are literally keeping ethics alive whether it's hold, a convers- holding the high road exactly and and promoting it so this is not only about can we write a, a stricter rule this is around speaking to what's positive and wonderful uh, about ethics having those conversations um you know facilitating those focus groups making sure that ethics is not something ethereal that we think must happen somewhere maybe elsewhere it it should it, we should be making a concerted effort in our organizations uh, to make it visible and i would put the challenge out there for for organizations in in terms of 2018 i i think they need to to start making the sort of ethics new year's resolution and i think it should be what are we going to do to promote ethics not just to police it what are we going to do to promote ethics going forward and i would put it to you that the smallest to the largest organization can do something mm, that's very true Cynthia, thank you very much. Really appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining us. Next up is our conversation with the chairman of Otto, Wayne Devenacher. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.